Welcoming everyone to episode 122 of the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-hosts Matt and David. This week we're going to have a buy or sell episode uh, some, with some uh, listener uh, suggestions. But uh, basically we'll go through some players and then some teams and tell you if we buy their performance this season or we're going to sell it. But before we get to all that, Matt, how are you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Um, had a had a solid week uh, watching some watching some well, all kinds of sports really, but uh, a lot of baseball and um, it's been fun. Uh, I think uh, everything's been going pretty well. How about how about you, David? How are you doing? Doing all right. Just took a eight hour test yesterday, so I'm still recovering from yeah. that. But other than that, it's it's been wild. Enjoyed watching the Cubs as much as I can, and some crazy NASCAR races this weekend. Talladega so pretty pretty standard stuff for that how you doing this week Damien I'm doing well it's NFL draft week so I am very excited to finally figure out who my young quarterback of the future is going to be for the Colts uh, and I don't have to deal with a uh, Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan aging and as a statue in the pocket anymore hopefully so that's gonna be a lot of fun but I'm excited to talk about this episode because uh, we've had some really good performances and some really bad performances uh, so far this year and Waiting to get your guys' opinions on uh, on who you like and who you don't like so far this year. So what do you guys say we go ahead and jump right into this? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so let's go ahead and start with uh, the player section. And this one comes from uh, at no cred, uh, Rec off of Twitter. I believe they're the No Credentials podcast. Uh, and they are asking about Mitch Keller and if he's a Cy Young favorite so far. And uh, some of his stats are he's pitched 29 two-thirds innings, has a 9.1 strikeout per nine rate, a 3.34 walk per nine rate, and a 364 ERA. Yeah, I guess I can start here. Um, Well, uh, you know, I I think he's joking about the Cy Young thing because there's no way. But uh, if I buy Mitch Keller as being a pretty good pitcher, he's a good pitcher. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's turned some things around. He's changed up some of his picks pitch mix uh there's some things that i'm a little worried about this year so far last year part of his success down the stretch was an improved ground ball rate his ground ball rate went from 40 percent for roughly for his career and it skyrocketed up to 49 percent last year which was really really nice um he also cut his walk rate a lot and, and the walk rate stuff has has stayed down which is good to see for a guy who's really struggled to to keep guys off the base paths for a while but um you know, a 364 ERA is really nice. The, the peripherals are, are they're good, not great. You know, 427 fit, 423 X fit. I think it's a former top prospect. I think the stuff is still really good. Uh, good fastball, averaging 96 miles per hour. I, I do think he's a good pitcher. I just, I don't buy him as like an ace right now and, or anything really close to it. So uh, I think, I guess, I guess based on the whole putting the Cy Young thing in there, I guess sell, but. I think he's decent. Like he's not a, he's not bad. He's not an elite pitcher. He's probably a number three in a good rotation. I'm selling Mitch Keller, the Cy Young candidate. I'm buying Mitch Keller, the reliable starting pitcher. And we're going to talk more about the Pirates as we go here, as they're probably one of the maybe the second biggest story right now in baseball. But uh, you know, Keller's been a, a huge integral part of their their resurgence this season. So definitely a, a sell on the the Cy Young talk there, you know, and, and if any reason, just cause Spencer Strider exists in the national league, man, that, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that anybody's going to have any shot uh, with, with him around, but you know, and as in terms of Mitch Keller being a good pitcher, that's, it's definitely a buy for me. 
All right, so let's go from one NL Central team to another NL Central team and go to the Milwaukee Brewers with Corbin Burns from at Sports Stove uh, and the Sports Stove podcast. Uh, some of Burns' stats so far this year is a 27 and two-thirds innings pitched, a 7.16K per nine, a 3.25 walk per nine, and a 4.55 ERA. Yeah, with Corbin Burns, I think I'm a little bit worried about him, but not bad worried. He has at times been a slow starter in his career. Um, I know that, you know, in the past there's been some a few rough April outings, especially last year. I think he might have started slow. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, sometimes guys with with that cutter and stuff, it might take him a little while to get a feel for it. And he also has dealt with a little bit of injury. Um, so I think I'm gonna, if we're gonna buy the, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna buy that he's bad. Like, I think he's gonna be good. I don't think he's gonna be 2021 Corbin Burns, but I bet his ERA ends up in the low threes and he ends up being a, you know, an ace pitcher as he has been for a while. I think it's just a slow start with him. Um, but we'll see. It is a little bit concerning the way he started the season, but I still think he's really good. First disagreement. I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess buy that Corbin Burns's results right now are indicative of how he is going to be this year. I, I just don't believe that, that he's fully recovered from the arbitration stuff. Uh, last, you know, we, we talked about in the off season that, that what, what were the Brewers doing, right? Their, their ace pitcher who led them to nearly making the playoffs last season, who's a little bit worse down the stretch, but overall still really good. They argued against him performing, you know, great as an, you know, to, to save a few hundred thousand dollars, which, you know, this is a guy who in a couple of years will be a free agent and he'll probably be out of Milwaukee I, you know, this, these results speak to a guy who's not playing motivated and I'm going to buy those results as they are right now. I think he's, he's not out here giving his best for the Brewers right now. And, you know, I think it's strictly due to the, that arbitration hearing and maybe he's lost a little bit of faith in the team. So buy the mediocre results, sell Corbin Burns, the ACE at this moment. Yeah, I'll, let me, let me say real quick if he if that's bothering him to the point of pitching bad then i don't think the brewers should want him hey, you, i think you see the strength of yeah. you see you see the strength of these some of these guys on the extensions performing really really well like nico horner for example coming out and just going crazy i i think it's it says a lot when the team has a lot of faith in their players it, it does. It does. But, you know, I think that at, time, at times, like if if you've got a team that is, you know, for one thing, arbitration's a normal. That's a very normal thing. And there's a lot of reasons for it behind, besides just, you know, we don't want to play this, pay this player and we're being cheap. There's a lot more reasons behind it, you know, and Corbin Burns needs to understand that in some ways. And the fact of the matter is it's the system and, you know, if anything, it should motivate you. If the team says something about, oh, you're not worth this because of this, this, and this, it should motivate you to be- show them up. So, you know, if he's just sitting there and not pitching well because he's all worried about it, then I think that's, you know, I, I think that's indicative of him and his mindset more so than anything else. But, um, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I just look at his control numbers or kind of going yeah. back to what they were before the 20, what, 21 season, and then his strikeout numbers have dropped dramatically i mean he's at 7.1 per nine right now and he was at 10 or 12 his two really good years so 
But uh, let's go ahead and go from one Corbin to another Corbin and go to the Arizona Diamondbacks with Corbin Carroll. And this one came from at the corner booth pod. Uh, and they're saying Corbin Carroll as a long-term buy. Uh, his stats so far this year is a 282 average, a 330 on base, a 506 slugging, uh, eight stolen bases, a 124 WRC+. plus. I know we've liked Corbin Carroll a lot, but David, are you buying or selling Corbin Carroll as a long-term buy? I don't think the Diamondbacks would have given him $111 million if they didn't believe in the in the bat here. But but Corbin Carroll's been phenomenal already. A uh, little worried about that walk rate, but I think that'll stabilize pretty pretty easily. This is a dude with, you know, 80th grade athleticism, especially, you know, with when it comes to stealing bases. And we've seen the steal and base numbers in Major League Baseball up a ton this year. I think, you know, he's already got eight in 20 games, 24 games. I think he could end up with 50 plus stolen bases. And he's also hitting homers, you know, where he could end up with something like a 30 homer, 50 steal season. That's pretty resoundingly successful. I think this is an easy buy and he's uh, an easy player to be rooting for here. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna buy Corbin Carroll in the long term as well. I think that this year, you know, talk about him being like a you know dark horse MVP type guy as a rookie and stuff. I think is a little bit much, but uh, long term, I mean, I think that right now his you know his discipline at the plate isn't great, but there's no red flags there. It's at a level where he's not getting overmatched at the big league level, so he's I think he'll be able to improve off of it. Uh, like he's got a roughly like league average strikeout rate. His his walk rate is low, but his chase rate is close-ish to league average. He's not whiffing a ton. His, he's hitting the ball decently hard. I think he's going to be a pretty good offensive player this year, and he'll continue to grow at the plate. And uh, I think he'll end up being really, really good. So I'm going to buy him in the long term. And, and one other thing is uh, his outfielder jump. You know, this is a guy with the one, some of the best speed in baseball. Like, he's graded out as being one of the fastest players in the league. His outfielder jump rating on a baseball savant is in the 98th percentile. So if you can combine how good a jumps he's getting on balls and that that uh, that sprint speed, like, this guy might be one of the best defensive center fielders, you know, you've seen. So I think he's going to be really, really, really good. Yeah, I like Corbin Carroll a lot. Uh, so moving over to a suggestion from at the Broadway hat pod and his suggestion was Anthony Rizzo, who is batting 300 so far this year with a 394 on base percentage of 538 slugging five homers and a 162 WRC plus. So Matt, you buying or selling Anthony Rizzo as a, a good baseball player? Well, as a good baseball player, I think if you don't buy Anthony Rizzo after the last, <laughs> like how many, however many years he's been in the majors, like, I think you're crazy, but um, I think that if you look at the differences and, and do you buy him on – with Anthony Rizzo, it's one of those things like do you buy him on being a good first baseman, like a top 10 first baseman who's you know just a really solid guy, or do you buy him as being like that all-star caliber, like superstar first baseman he was with the Cubs? And it's, there's some reasons to believe he could be getting back to that like superstar caliber first baseman that he was with the Cubs this year. He's, uh, you know, his batting average on balls and play has jumped up an, an absolute ton. That's been really his Achilles heel the last couple of years. He's been one of the most shifted players in baseball for a while. And, um, you know, I think it's just kind of the difference between being a, like a 120 WRC plus, you know, a, 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 you know, 800 OPS guy to being like a 900 OPS, a 162 WRC plus like he is so far this year type guy. So if he's able to keep that batting average on balls and play up, I think it could be, I think it could be a real like 
resurgence of him at age 33. He's not that old for a first baseman. And if you look at some of the numbers on him compared to last year, like his uh, hard hit rates up and his by, by a pretty good bit. And he's, uh, you know, I think that with the shift being gone, you know, hitting the ball harder, his, his expected batting average uh, based on StatCast data is up. Like, I really think that, that Anthony Rizzo is, is having a, a – the start to this season is encouraging that he's like – more than the you know good player he has been the last couple of years. The one caveat with him though is is he going to stay fully healthy because those back injuries have kind of crept up on him the last few years too. This is an easy one for me. Buy Anthony Rizzo. I've been buying Anthony Rizzo since 2012. Uh, you know this is a, a guy who's a World Series champion, a you know a multi-time All Star, a, a leader, and a captain level player on a team. You know it. It, with the Yankees, it's him and Aaron Judge currently, you know, leading that team. And uh, in Rizzo's Rizzo's performance thus far is indicative of someone who's being rejuvenated by the the lack of the shift against him. Uh, I think he's real excited about those rule changes, and it's showing on offense and defense. I think he likes the bigger bases too. So uh, seems like Rizzo's really adapting well. And you know, just for reference, he's got a WOBA of 403, X WOBA of 397. So right now, those results he's getting seem very deserved. It's not it doesn't seem like he's hitting into luck or uh, getting any breaks. That 322 batting average on balls in play seems pretty warranted uh, for Anthony Rizzo so far. So and, and plus he's got you know the short porch at Yankee Stadium. Maybe this year will be the year he finally clears 32 home runs in a season. Very well, could be. Uh, so let's jump over to our last player suggestion. This one came from at Kevin 62. I believe it's will C. Oh, that's a weird one, but uh, his was from James Outman and his E a potential NL rookie of the year so far. So his batting line has been 311 batting average of 400 on base, a 703 slugging, uh, seven homers, a 193 WRC plus, And a little side note, he is the owner of the Cubs, right, David? God, man, I, I'm really glad he left Chicago. I don't want him to come back. They need to <laughs> bar him from the city or something, man. He he torched the Cubs this last weekend. He also beat up on the Cubs the the previous series that the Cubs won. Um, dude looks really really good. Now, can he do it against pitching other than the Cubs? I you know I don't know yet, but thus far he has looked every bit the successor to Cody Bellinger that the Dodgers hoped he would be. Um, you know, luckily for the Cubs, Cody Bellinger looks equally phenomenal so it's been a, a kind of a win-win on both ends there but you know outman is just superb thus far bit of a high strikeout rate i think I, i'll sell him being a 200 wrc plus guy but as in terms of being a rookie of the year candidate absolutely he's really taking the world by storm and i think he's going to be a really good defensive center fielder as well he's really got that flexibility to play all all three outfield positions at a, a high rate I think it's pretty pretty clear that James Altman's going to be a, a pretty a stud player for a long time in this league, and you know another one of those annoying, really strong Dodger players. Yeah, I um, I think um, I think that he I, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna buy him as a rookie of the year candidate. I don't think he'd be my pick still, but I, I'm gonna buy him as a candidate for it. Um, and I but I, I do I do think that he's gonna regress some off of this like the two seven three seventy two batting average on balls and plays extremely high uh he's hit seven home runs and the, the home run per fly ball rate that he's put up is matched by like only Aaron judge over the last few years so I don't I think he's got a lot of power but I don't think he's got that kind of power um and he's a 
this is a guy that I think is going to be, I think is going to be very, very good um, for, for the Dodgers, especially as a guy who was like a, what he was their 25th ranked prospect. I mean, but uh, I don't, I do think the hit tools is, is still going to be a question mark. I'll be surprised if he doesn't strike out at a high level. He's got it. He's in the 16th percentile for whiff rate um, so far. So, We'll see what happens. He's definitely got good speed. I think he's a good outfielder. Um, he's not chasing a lot, which is really nice to see. I think that that has been kind of a – I think that you know being able to lay off pitches out of the zone has been a, a, a good thing for him in the past in, in the minor leagues. I know the Dodgers really, really like him. But for a guy who you know is hard to hit rate 67th percentile to be hitting that, that high of a home run per fly ball, I think – you know I don't think he's going to keep up the pace with the power. And I think that, you know, with the kind of three true outcomes nature of his game, that's going to dip his his line down to. But I do think he's going to be an above league average hitter who's going to play really solid defense in the outfield and uh, which would be, you know, a three to four win player, which is a rookie of the year candidate for sure. So I, I guess I'll buy him as being a rookie of the year candidate. Absolutely. So then let's go ahead and jump over to uh, these are all ones that we've kind of put together uh, through, but. Uh, the guy that we want to jump to next is Matt Chapman. And so far this year, he's had a 361 batting average, a 430 on base, a 675 slugging percentage, uh, five homers, and a 207 WRC+. So, Matt, are you buying this level of production from Matt Chapman? Um, I'm buying that he's back to being a really, really, really good hitter, um, You know, like he was when he put up six wins above replacement in 2018. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's not going to put up a 361 average. He's, he's hit, got a 455 batting average on balls in play. But if you look at his stat cast data, his, I mean, it's all red and except for the strikeout rate, which doesn't match up with his whiff rates and, and chase rates. So, uh, I think that Matt Chapman is back to being a really good hitter. And I think that his, uh, I think he's going to end up being like, hey, Bold prediction is Matt Chapman's going to be the most valuable player in the Blue Jays this year. He's going to have a higher mm. war than Bo Bichette. He's going to have a higher war than Vlad Jr. That's my bold prediction for the rest there of the season. Go. I I like it. I, I don't agree. I think Bo's going to get there, but I like it. Um, you know, Matt Chapman's made a pretty significant adjustment in contact rate thus far, and I think contact rate is one of the uh, the statistics that you can look at pretty early on to determine whether or not a player's made a significant adjustment where that kind of levels out within like a hundred plate appearances. And that's kind of right where we are in the season thus far. Chapman's contact rates up over league average. He's at like 79%. His, his zone contact rate is like 88%. It's never been that high. Um, you know, I think he's made some significant plate approach adjustments and those that's resulting in you know, better struck baseballs. It's resulting in, you know, an equal amount of walks, but less strikeouts and obviously more hits. And so while he's not a 455 batting average on balls and play guy, these I'm buying these adjustments from Matt Chapman. I think he's going to be a top three, top four third baseman in baseball this year and go into the, you know, his contract year with uh, a nice big ringing endorsement as to why he should be paid $200 million. Yeah. And his, and his, um, one other thing, his, uh, projection system uh, pr projections have absolutely skyrocketed so far this season with the changes he's made like zips now projects him for five wins above replacement in the rest of season numbers yeah you know that's on crazy. top of his already one and a half he's put up so like you're talking about maybe having a six win player again here which he was in 2018 
Yeah, there's a really good article. I believe it's on it's linked on Baseball Savant's homepage right now uh, that really talks about what Matt Chapman has done to really unlock the opposite field power, um, which I think he kind of got away from when he was playing in Oakland. Uh, and he's done a really good job so far this year. I really hi- highly recommend going and reading that article about some of the changes he's made. Uh, but the next guy we want to go ahead and jump over to is Andrew McCutcheon. The return to Pittsburgh has brought kind of a renaissance for him. He's batting 275, 381 on base, a 507 slugging, four homers, three stolen bases, and a 140 WRC plus. So, David, are you buying the renaissance of Andrew McCutcheon? I am. I am buying it. I think Andrew McCutcheon is in a perfect spot because the Pirates, and, and we're going to talk about the team. This is the second Pirate I've gotten to talk about already, and we're probably going to get a couple more. McCutcheon is at a point where the pressure's off, right? He's played in New York. He's played in Philadelphia on a big contract, right? He's played in Milwaukee on a playoff team with, you know, with big aspirations. And he's never even been that bad, right? He's been a a league average to 20% above league average guy over the last couple of seasons. But you could tell, right? He's, he's 34, 35 years old. He's been wearing on him a little bit, but he's just two, two seasons removed from having, 27 home runs and you know he he's not that that old yet right i mean we're seeing evan longoria have a pretty decent age 37 season as well you know for for a guy who's going to be hunting you know hall of fame candidacy why not just be the veteran leader in the clubhouse for this pirates team and go out there good pitching matchups right he hasn't played every game he can sit a few to to kind of preserve his energy and keep him fresh. I, I think he's in a great spot. He'll play 120, 130 games. Hopefully he'll stay healthy and, you know, coming off of some, you know, injuries and stuff. I think this is a guy who's who's playing with a lot of energy finally. And it's it's a rejuvenating feeling for sure to have like a guy like Andrew McCutcheon back home in Pittsburgh where he's very familiar, kind of leading a clubhouse that's clearly punching up and believing that they can do a lot more than anybody thought they could before you know the season started especially us we had the pirates think fourth in the nl central so you know i think kutch is doing exactly what it would require for a team like the pirates to get into the postseason i'm buying these changes he's walking a ton he's not striking out and he's playing sporadically it's perfect i I think this is a great situation for andrew mccutch yeah I, i agree uh his stat cast data has gotten better this year he's hitting the ball harder than he has in a while his um he's not he's not whiffing as much he, he had a last year he was in the 53rd percentile for whiff rate which is about league average and this year he's up in the 75th percentile which is really nice uh but the hard hit rates come up um his expected numbers are really good so far um and i mean you're talking about a guy who's put up a you know i think this is i don't I don't think he's going to quite sustain a 140 WRC plus, but I think he's a he could be a 120 guy again, which he hasn't been since 2019. Uh, and if he's a 120 WRC plus guy and he's able to play the outfield some, DH some, his outfielder chump rating in, in on baseball savants in the 95th percentile too, which is kind of crazy. And I didn't realize he still had the speed, uh, 87th percentile in sprint speed. Um, I do think Andrew McCutcheon is a guy who is back to being a, I mean, He's not 20, you know, he's not 2013 Andrew McCutcheon, of course, but like, I think he's, this is going to be his best season since last time he was in Pittsburgh, in my opinion, you know, we'll, we'll see how long he's able to keep this up. And I think, but I think some of the adjustments he's made and improvements he's made again this year are, are real. And I think he's going to have a really good season. And it's a little bit like that Albert Pujols going back to uh St. Louis thing where like coming back there, it just kind of rejuvenates him a little bit. So 
for sure. That's actually a really good example. Yeah, and even the uh, I know it's a little Homer one. So if Vince listens to this, he's gonna kill us. But when Matt Kemp came back to the Dodgers, the f- yeah. first half there, he had an All Star season as well. But it all it's all right in the baseball world when a guy like Andrew McCutcheon, who goes back to his place where he's basically made his career famous, uh, goes back and performs really well. Yeah, it's awesome. He's coming up on 300 home runs too. He's only nine short. Yeah, he should be able to do that in a pirate in yeah, pirates uniform this year. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump over to Geraldo Perdomo uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's batting 367 this year with a 446 on base, a 571 slug, and a 177 WRC plus. So I don't know who I started with last time, but what are you guys buying, Geraldo Perdomo? I am selling Geraldo Perdomo. Um, this is an example of small sample size. Uh, he's played in 18 games, only 58 plate appearances, and he's got a 486 batting average on balls in play, which is just totally unsustainable. Uh, and his, you know, it's not like he's hitting the, just tons of home runs or something that makes that number not matter that much. Like it's mainly been, you know, put the ball in play. Um, I like the fact that he takes a lot of walks and he doesn't strike out a, an absolute ton which ha- that's actually kind of lines up with what he's done in the past like last year but it's not like he's just grown into some power and started hitting the ball really hard or something like he he's a guy that i think is and, and i do think he's gonna play really good defense which is nice to see but I, I don't really buy him as being like a you know i if he's a league average hitter this year he will be a very valuable player but I don't really buy him as being like some really good hitter now all of a sudden. I want to disagree with Matt, y'all. I would love to. There's He's got like a 287 expected weighted on base average. And a, it, it, it the number, you know, and a 441 weighted on base average right now. I mean, I think the numbers are definitely going to come down to earth. The one saving grace for Perdomo is that a good start like this can buoy your season. So if he got, does go cold, I think his overall season numbers will look better but and he's certainly a big part of the the diamondbacks group right now he's he's got some really good good numbers and good stuff going on his approach is good right but it's exactly the same as it was last year he hasn't made any of those significant changes like matt chapman's made so when it comes to geraldo perdomo i'm selling this level of production that's for sure but i think he's a very useful utility player and uh, the kind of player the diamondbacks need to get a, a high a high outcome a high percentile outcome from in order to make the playoffs this season and they're getting it so far. Yeah. And, uh, I will, I will say one caveat. He, he was a top prospect a few years, a couple years ago. So yeah. there is some kind of pedigree here, but I, I like, it's like David said, I mean, he's in the first percentile for hard hit rate. Like it's, it's not great. So, yeah. So going from a guy who doesn't hit the ball very hard to a guy who hits the ball very hard. Uh, let's go to Patrick Wisdom and his 256 batting average, 310 on base, a 679 slugging percentage, nine homers, and a 160 WRC plus. So, David, it's a Chicago Cub. Are you buying this level of performance from Patrick Wisdom? Uh, I am, and I'll, I'll I got very specific reason for it though. So, Patrick Wisdom over the last three years has been a guy who is unwilling to change his swing in the count he is willing to just strike out and just you know go down hacking right i've noticed this and i've noticed this from several cubs players the cubs as a team are striking out a ton less this season um i think overall they're they're down several percent but 
Patrick Wisdom is down 7% from two years ago. He's down a little bit this year, and his plate approach is changing, I think, to reflect a two-strike approach um, where he's got a, a little bit of a B-hack, and he hit, I think, four home runs in the last two weeks on home runs on two-strike counts. Um, if if he's not missing pitches that are, you know, borderline or, or mistakes in the zone on two strikes, he's just getting a hold of everything because he's so strong. He doesn't need to swing out of his shoes to get the ball to go over the fence. He can just stick the bat head out there, poke it, and it rockets off at 110 miles an hour and goes over the fence. So it's a it's a significant fundamental change to the, the plate appearances for Patrick Wisdom. And it, he looks like a more reliable hitter at the plate. He's already at nine home runs. And, and this is a guy who goes on home run streaks, right? So last couple weeks, he hit four or five last week this week he hasn't doesn't have one yet i'm guarantee you week or two he'll hit four more right and that's that's how he will operate i think he's gonna hit 40 home runs this year so i'm buying this level of success i think he's gonna be a you know a little bit of a low on base high slug kind of guy but he's still gonna have a 800 to 850 ops with 40 home runs i think it's gonna be a really valuable player for the cubs this year yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. We finally gonna, gonna disagree on one. I'm selling Patrick Wisdom, and I think the main reason is that, like you said, he's a guy that's in his career has had times where he's gone on like a home run tear for like a couple weeks, and I think that's just what this is so far this year. I mean, if you look at some of his data, like his whiff rate is roughly the same as it was last year. He's still striking out over 33% of the time. Like the walk rate's way down, which I I don't really think is too big of a deal because I, I, he hadn't really started chasing a lot more than we did last year. His chase rates were actually pretty good last year. Um, he's st- he's chasing a little bit more, but not a lot. But um, the hard hit rates up a little bit. Average exit velocity's up a little bit. But like I I really don't think I do think this is kind of one of those like he's on a home run tear right now. Um, you know I I think that um, maybe if one thing you could look at he's maybe he's got a 35% home run per fly ball rate this year so far too, which, you know, I think that that's looking like prime Aaron judge territory on home runs per fly ball, which I don't think he'll keep up. Uh, now the, I will say he is hitting a few more fly balls. He's hitting a few less grounders, which is nice to see. And I do think his walk rate will come up some, but I, I don't buy him as being like a, 40 home run. I mean, I guess he could hit 40 home runs. He he feels more like a low on base percentage, low average. He's going to hit some home runs, but it's going to be more like a 100 to 110 WRC plus type guy than a he's really made some massive improvement. It's going to hit 50 home runs and have a 160 WRC plus type thing. Well, well, you see, he's got a 310 OBP right now. He's not getting on base a ton. Right, he's, but he's, he's not going to so... keep hitting home runs at this rate, is what I'm saying. Like this is that's really all he's done so far this year is hit home runs at like a super unreasonably high rate, unsustainably high rate. Like I'm very interested to get the juiced ball data because I think the ball's juiced again. I think uh, uh, I, I think it's been reported that the ball is is rejuiced, and I and I, I, I'm looking forward to getting a couple more months into the season, seeing where we're at. If the ball is juiced, it's, it's golden news for a guy like Patrick Wisdom who just yeah. needs to make contact with it. Yeah, I don't know if it's juiced. I think part of it might be just the pitchers being thrown off a little bit by the pitch pitch clock and just maybe not, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's still early to see stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, so let's go over to a guy who's had a really good start to the season, his former top prospect, me and Jared Kilinick, who's batting 319, a 377 on base percentage, 667 slugging, six homers, and a 189 WRC plus. Yeah, uh, I guess I can start. Uh, Jared Kelenic looks like the guy that he was supposed to be when he was a prospect. Um, he has gotten to where he's he's not chasing anymore like he was. I think part of his – he was whiffing just an absolute ton uh, in 2021. He didn't even play enough in the big leagues last year to, put, to have a baseball savant page. That's how bad he was last year. But in 2023, I mean, he's – hitting the ball extremely hard, which he, he kind of ha- always has done that, hit the ball hard. But, um, you know, it, it's – I mean, he looks he looks really, really good. I mean, he's he, I don't think he's going to keep up what, exactly what he's doing now. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be able to run a 364 batting average on balls in play. But I think he's a well above league average hitter at this, at this point who is probably kind of an average defender in left field. And I think he could be that three to four win player. And, and, and there might be more in the tank going forward. Um, this guy's really good. He actually hit his seventh home run of the season tonight. Um, I think finally you're kind of seeing it. And, and one other thing on Jared Kellenick too is that he never stopped hitting in the minor leagues. Like when he came up to the big leagues, there was something going on there mentally. And he just was really, really struggling. But when he went down to the every time he went down to the minor leagues, he kept hitting at a high level. So I, I don't think the talent just evaporated or something, or there was any kind of huge red flag in the minor leagues. It's more like he's just when he got to the big leagues, he was just struggling to adjust for a while. So I, I think he's definitely looking really, really good. And I'm going to buy that he's breaking out as a legitimately really good player. Although I don't think he's going to keep up the ratings at now for 2023. Here's, a, here's the deal. I'm, I'm buying Kellenic. I'm buying Kellenic as a superstar level player. I'm buying Kellenic as a former top prospect that's finally getting to the pedigree that put him there. Um, I've got, you know, I just, it's a great reminder that development, especially in baseball, isn't linear. You know, some guys perform really good in single A, then they perform really good in double A, then they perform really good in triple A, then they, you know, they, they come to the majors and they perform really good there too. Yeah, and, and one, a perfect example of a guy who didn't get to do any of that, right? But he's twenty three yeah. years old. Yeah, and I'll go and ahead. I'll um, you know, to, to to go off of that point, David, I, I think that's a really really good point. And I'll say something else about that. When Kellenic came up to the big leagues, he had barely played above a ball, and I mm-hmm. think that there's been times, especially with with the twenty twenty season with no minor league season that year, there's been times that prospects have really been rushed in recent years because they've seen the success of some of these sub twenty one year olds like Juan Soto when he came up, Fernando Tatis Jr. when he came up, Ronald Acuna Jr. when he came up. And I think they're just like people and, and people have seen these prospects come up and do so well at such a young age and have like almost every time there's a top prospect and some of the attention top prospects get nowadays with social media and everything they almost like they pencil them in to be in like these you know insane players all of a sudden like they're going to be superstars immediately julio rodriguez another example that, that came up and did it immediately but sometimes like some of these players like he really needed to play in triple a a bit like there were some real things that he needed to adjust that he needed to work on that he never got a chance to because the team to put him in that situation he had played 21 games at double a before he got 
before 2021 when he got called up super early in the season after a good start at AAA that year. Like, he needed to play a full season in AAA before really becoming the guy that he looks like he's becoming, and he's finally did that in 2022 where he played most of the season at AAA. So I think that sometimes, like, rushing these prospects has been a, a problem for some guys and, and that, you know, that development curve is such a big deal and it's important to remember. So I definitely yeah. am, I definitely like that. I definitely think that's a really good point. Yeah and, yeah, and I didn't even necessarily get to finish my thought on Kellen yeah. either. Oh, yeah. that he's he's is striking out less. He's he's hitting. I, I wanted to mention the 482 foot home run at Wrigley Field uh, that he hit. I think it was the first week of the season. Maybe it was the second week of the season. But he that that homer is the longest homer I've ever seen at Wrigley Field, and I've watched. 20 years worth now of Wrigley Field games. Uh, so yeah, I've never seen anybody hit one to the second deck in center field and he hit one there. Uh, and so the power's real, but you know, on top of that, you know, this is a guy we, we know is talented and, and he's getting to those results and he's just 23. I think he's just beginning to, to kind of show us what he's capable of. So I'm buying results at this level. I think he's going to be a superstar. I was hoping that the, you know, the Mariners would have given up on him, but they were, Really smart. They didn't give up on him. I think they're going to be rewarded for that going forward. Yeah, he was almost traded this offseason. Yeah, he was in rumors. people that don't know. Uh, but no, I the thing I really like is sometimes people like to give up on these younger prospects that come up and struggle right away. And the best thing to me is when you see a prospect who struggles for multiple years or multiple different chances there, and then they finally figure it out after a couple of years or after that, you know, that third year in or, or that third struggle they've had and they get that swing change and they get that thing that really allows them to break out. I think so often in all of sports, really, uh, you see them willing to give up on people so early because they've struggled the first couple of years and they're not getting that instant production. And it's like, it, you got to trust the talent there. And, and I know there's a fine line between, Hey, like what's your, uh, you know, when's, the, to keep giving them chances and when to give up. But I mean, it it's paying off for the Mariners that they kept giving Kellenek the chances mm-hmm. um, there. So uh, let's, so that, that wraps up the player side of it. So let's go ahead and jump to some teams and a team you've already heard us talk about twice already today. And we'll talk about the, the Pittsburgh pirates now. And this one was our lone team uh, suggestion. That one came from at sports scramble for, uh, so the Pittsburgh pirates so far are 16 and seven leading the NL central. They have a 25 uh, or a plus 25 run differential. And so far per fan graphs war, they've had the 13th best offense this year and the ninth best pitching staff this year. Yeah, I guess I can start. Um, I'm going to sell that the pirates are a playoff contender. I'm going to buy that. They're way, way, way better than they have been in a while. Um, I think that there's been some performances for them that are not going to sustain. I think that they're winning a lot of close games right now. Um, you know, I, I don't trust the pitching staff. Like, you know, I mean, they've got pretty good performances out of, out of like, uh, They've had pretty good performances out of like Vince Velasquez, who's somebody that I think is okay, but like I don't really trust him too too heavily. Uh, the the batting, uh, I mean, they're running some pretty high Babbitts. I mean, you look at like Connor Joe's leading them in WAR, and he's got a four thirty nine batting average on balls in play. Like like I say, I, I do really like Andrew McCutcheon. I really like Jack Sawinski, and I guess we could talk about Brian Reynolds in a minute. But uh, I like this team, but I just I don't. I mean. 
I don't think they're as good as the Brewers, the Cubs, and, and we'll talk about the Cardinals in a minute, but I, I, I still don't think they're as good as the Cardinals. I think they're just kind of on a good streak to start the season, and they're much improved, but I still see them. I see them a lot closer to third in the division than they were before, but I, I still don't think they're going to be there at the end of the day. I, I buy the Pirates as a factor in the NL Central, but I also know they haven't played the Cubs yet. They, I think they haven't played the Brewers yet. I think they've only played the Cardinals. So, you know, and that's a big part of the, I think a big chunk of those games are the Pirates having played the Cardinals seven times. And I think winning six of them or something like that, right? The, the big question going forward will be how do Milwaukee and Chicago stack up against the Pirates? Right now, I'm buying the Pirates as a playoff contender. They're projected by Fangraphs to win 80 games uh, at the end of the season right now. I, I think that's well within reason of being a playoff contender. I think that's a team that could definitely add at the deadline. They're getting O'Neill Cruz back by the end of the season, right? And his injury has not slowed them down in the slightest. Juan Bay has been really good at shortstop. You, you just wonder whether this team has maybe played a lighter schedule. They've had a lot of games against the Reds, right? They, you know, they, they've they're playing the Dodgers right now. They're playing a close game. Um, Damien, you maybe can update us on what happened there. But it, it's it, it, this is a team that looks like a team that can definitely fight for it throughout the season. I'm buying them as a playoff contender. I don't know that I'd pick them to make the playoffs just yet. I want to still want to you know see the Cubs play against them. Still want to see the Brewers play against them. Still, let's let's get some more games in before we start calling the Pirates the favorite for the NL Central. But uh, as as a playoff contender for that third wild card, yeah, I, I've got them in there. Yeah, and speaking of the Pirates, uh, they made the move today to sign outfielder Brian Reynolds to an extension. We've had a lot of discussions on that before, saying that if you weren't going to pay him, trade him. Uh, well, they ponied up, signed him to an eight-year, $106.75 million contract extension. That'll be through 2031. Uh, it does have a no-trade protection in there, but no opt-out deal, which we heard was a big sticking point there. Um, so I believe it also has a team option through for the 2031. Yeah. Uh, the team option for 2031. So basically through 27 through 2030, he'll be making $15 million a year, but, uh, finally signing, uh, Brian Reynolds, that extension, they've already got Brian Hayes. They got O'Neill Cruz too, right? I'm not. Yes. I'm not. Yeah. So they've yeah. signed O'Neill Cruz as well. Uh, so a team that has a very, you know, their core kind of started to get locked up there and. Let's see if they're able to start developing some pitching uh, there. But they've had a really good start to the season so far. Uh, so it's exciting to see that. Yep. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you guys had any comments on the Reynolds. It, it's clear that Brian Reynolds prioritized their start to this season and wanted to see how this team performed. Um, and I think he really likes what he's seeing. And I, I think... I, I don't like what I'm seeing as a Cubs fan, but I do like what I'm seeing from a, you know, baseball perspective and that this team seems to have gelled really nicely. I think McCutcheon was a big ad. I think G-Man Choi is a big ad to that clubhouse. Carlos Santana is a big ad to that clubhouse. Yeah, it's 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 looking really strong right now. So love love that Brian Reynolds did agree there and, and is, is going to stick around for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree too. And I think Brian Reynolds is one of those guys that's like, he's a really good player. I don't think he's a superstar level player. Like I think some people kind of think he might be, but especially when there's people talking about trades, but with him, but uh, I think he's really good. And 
that's that's a big piece to have locked up. It kind of kind of extends his stay on the team as this core kind of comes up and comes together. Uh, so I, I think it kind of opens, it keeps him as part of their window, which is nice to see. Absolutely. So uh, let's continue on with our NL Central tour, and we'll go to the Chicago Cubs so far, who've started 12-9. and nine. They're third in the NL Central, but they have a plus 39 run differential. And so far, per fan graphs, they've had the fifth best offense and the 12th best pitching staff so far. So Matt, what do you think of the <laughs> Cubs? Um, so I'm gonna buy that they're better than I thought they were, and I'm gonna buy that they might actually be a wild card contender. I'm gonna sell that they're like a true like you know top team in the league, World Series type contender. Um, I think they're gonna end up being a little above 500, and that could get them in a wild card situation. It could get them. I mean, I you know I, I would never rule anything out on the NL Central because the Cardinals are have like the worst pitching stuff I've ever seen and the Brewers have like absolutely zero depth. So I could see the Cubs, uh, you know, cont- maybe contending in the division after all, but I mean, they're running a three thirty batting average on balls and plays a team, which is absolutely insanely high. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think there's some real changes they've made that are really good. Like I think their strikeout rate's been cut a ton, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't fully trust their bullpen. Um, I don't trust that. I, I think we've got some players like, like, you know, like we talked about earlier with Patrick wisdom and some of these guys, I think they're maybe overperforming just a little bit. And I don't think their pitching. I think their starting pitching staff is underrated in baseball circles, but I don't think it's quite as good as it's been so far either. Like I think it's somewhere in between being like, you know, what people kind of think they are and being what they've been so far. I think they're like, you know, kind of a mid-tier pitching staff, which is better than I kind of expected coming into the season. I think maybe even a little bit above a mid-tier, but like they're top half of the league, but they're not like top five in baseball type thing. So I, I think they're a good team and they're better than I maybe expected them to be. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold off on buying the Cubs as like a World Series type contender right now. I certainly wouldn't have bought them as a World minutes. Series contender. Yeah. <laughs> but. Or just like it, as in like, I think their, I yeah. think their most likely outcome is that they fall just short of a wild card spot, and they they maybe could sneak in there, or or like the division could just totally collapse around them too. So here's here's I, I'm buying the Cubs first of all. I think this team is significantly more fun to watch than I even thought they were going to be going into the season. But I also believe that. This team has the they've they've actually got the capability to get a ton better just within the organization. I don't currently think the best roster is in Chicago. I think you know you've got Chris Morrell who was really good last year, above average at the plate, played everywhere, hitting. I think he's got eight home runs already in AAA, uh, something like that. You know, Matt Mervis is sitting right there at first base where you're playing Eric Hosmer today. I mean, I don't think that it, that's going to last too much longer. Um, and then in terms of the bullpen, they've got a number of guys in AAA that can come up and provide adequate or better support to the bullpen. Then on top of that, they've got a really strong farm system that could go out and get a, a big player at the deadline. You know, if this is a team that, that could be adding right there. So, you know, a start like this is huge. We didn't even get to talk about him. He's pitching right now. Justin Steele has been otherworldly good. Um, he's one of the guys that if we had been buying like Cy Young candidacy, I'm like, Justin Steele kind of looks like a Cy Young type of guy. Uh, again, don't think it's possible with Spencer Strider out there, but we'll, we'll you know, we'll see what happens. But man, th- this team is really, really fun. And there's a different vibe around it. You know, we talked about that with the Pittsburgh clubhouse. I think the Cubs clubhouse is just they're rocking right now. I feel like nobody really cared that we just lost two or three, you know, what it was three or four to the Dodgers. 
eh, so what? We beat them in the series the week before in LA. Who cares? You know what I mean? It was, it feels very, very, you know, good vibes in the clubhouse all around and, and good vibes in the fan base. Wrigley's always rocking. It, it's, it's good to have baseball mattering in Chicago again. That's, that's where I'm at right now. And, you know, like I said, I think they can, I think they can step forward. I think this is a team that's going to get better internally and it's going to get better externally once we hit the trade deadline. So, um, certainly a division tra- challenger and, I don't NL Central's wild, man. We haven't played the uh, the Pirates or the Cardinals yet, so who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah, well, speaking of that Cardinals team that most people had favored to win this division to start the year, they are off to a 9 and 14 start. They're fourth in the NL Central. They have a negative 6 run differential. They have the 7th best offense per Fangraphs and the 19th uh, best pitching staff per fan graph so far. So Adam, who do you, or Adam, God, Matt, what do damn. you think about the Cardinals? Adam's going to roast. What an insult. Gonna, what I, an was, insult. I just yeah, got I a message. I just got a message from Adam on my phone. So I was reading that mm-hmm. as I was saying that. So uh, he's going to roast me when I see that, when he hears this, but Matt, what do you think about the Cardinals so far? Um, so the Cardinals, I think are, really really having a hard time um i think that there's some issues with their just kind of their like you talked about with the pirates and the cubs seeming to have really good like vibes around them i think the cardinals just seem to have horrible vibes around them and i think part of that has to do with the pitching staff and the fact that we knew last year the pitching staff was a problem and they did address it last year at the deadline and stuff. They brought in Jordan Montgomery. They brought in Jose Quintana, who was a soon-to-be free agent and, and now is on the now on the injured list for the Mets. Because I mean, it's the same thing. The Mets and the injured list are the same thing. But um, the uh, I think that like I think that their pitching staff is a little bit better than they've pitched so far like jordan montgomery has a 276 fip and a 381 era uh miles michaelis has really looked rough so far this year and i think he i know his his metrics or his his uh peripherals aren't great but he's still like he's got to be better than this like there's no sign of him like just all of a sudden being awful but i mean you know, you're giving more than half of your rotation is going to Jack Flaherty, who hasn't pitched. I don't understand the people's infatuation with him. He hasn't pitched in like basically three years. And when he has pitched, he's looked horrible for the last three years. And people were acting like he was going to come back and be an ace again this year. And then expected, you're looking at uh, Adam Wainwright, who hasn't pitched yet this year because of injury and he was really really bad in the world baseball classic his it, with with it being more so than just like it's a world baseball classic it, his his velocity was way down and just did, i mean not that it was very good to start with but it was down like and then you've got steven Matz, who's kind of the same way as jack flaherty like he's barely pitched and when he has he had looked very good and jake woodford who just is like a you know really a triple a quadruple a guy so like that's your rotation right now, and I mean you can't win with that rotation at a high level. Like you could have the best lineup ever, and and the Cardinals have a great lineup. Although I don't think it's quite as good as people maybe were thinking it was going to be. Like you know, kind of coming in, you know, we talked, I talked about a little bit in the off season. Like I thought that Paul Goldschmidt might not be quite what he was last year, and he hasn't been. He's been really, really good. But I mean, you got a 180 WRC plus out of him last year. I mean, he's probably a 135 WRC plus guy, which is what he's at right now. And I mean, 
I, I don't know, like Jordan Walker's been one of the maybe the worst defensive player in baseball and to the point of it being like he looks completely overmatched at the plate at times and he's been horrible defensively. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I think they're definitely behind the Brewers and the Cubs right now. Like they're really, it's, I'm, 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 I guess I'm buying that the Cardinals start has been bad. Like they're legitimately like there's real, there's real concern there. I'll, I'll say that there's real concern with the Cardinals this year. This will shock you, but I'm buying the Cardinals not being as good as everybody kind of pegged them going into the season. Also, I'm the only one who picked them not to win the division. So I'm going to take that lap for now, but we'll, we'll circle back to that one later on. Uh, th- I think this team is is uh, has an issue in the clubhouse, right? The you know We had the, man- the Tyler O'Neill thing earlier. Um, it seems to be resolved, but you can just tell something's not right, right? N- Nolan Arenado's not really hitting right now. Goldschmidt's not doing as well as he usually is. Uh, we haven't seen any of those kind of crazy Cardinal style wins pitching staffs off, you know, Wilson Contreras, best game came when they were down like seven runs. He had two homers. Like I, I just, I'm not seeing the vibe from this team. Kind of like we talked about, I think this team's going to, going to disappoint moving forward. And I kind of felt like that was the case going into the season. So uh, I'm really glad it's, it's the case. Cause man, I hate the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we go from one of the teams that has been one of the biggest disappointments so far to the team that's probably been the biggest surprise so far, and that's with the Tampa Bay Rays starting the season 20-3. and three. Uh, First in the AL East, have a positive 93-run differential already. They Gosh. are, and it, it's shocking to hear, they are the, uh, the best hitting team in the league, and they are the second best pitching team in the league, right? It's really shocking to hear, guys. Yeah, I think with the Rays, you look at, you know, if you could get a positive out, a, a above average outcome from like basically every single player, including breakouts from your like high potential guys like Wander Franco and Randy Rosarina, that's what they've gotten at the plate so far. Like Wander Franco has been the guy that he, as a prospect, he was the number one prospect in baseball. He had like a 70 grade, uh, overall grade on fan graphs and stuff. People were talking about him being like a generational talent. And so far he's been a really good player at the big league level, but not like some generational player. He's looked like the generational player so far this Mm -hmm. year. He's making that breakout. Randy Arozarena. Now he does have a super high batting average of balls in play, but Randy Arozarena has cut his strikeout rate. He's hitting the ball extremely hard as he has in the past. He looks insanely good. Like, they're getting they're getting those the and just up and down their lineup. I mean, Yandy Diaz has been really really good. Like Brandon Lau, Brandon Lau, of course. We we knew like coming off the injuries, like he's looked like himself again. Christian Bethencourt's been really good. Uh, only fifty four plate appearances there, but like he's looked legitimately good. Like now he's not going to hit a, have a six twelve slugging percentage, but like the plate discipline's been good with him, which has been a you know kind of the 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 downfall of him at the plate in his career. And they really haven't had too many like negative outcomes. Uh, their pitching staff has everybody they've brought up has looked really good. I mean, we knew their pitching staff was going to be com- good coming in, but Shane McClanahan's looked like the same guy we saw last year, Rasmussen as well. You know, the only thing, Taj Bradley, man, they called Taj Bradley up and he's looked insane so far, like has a 260 at FIP in, in his first three starts. The only thing that worries me a little bit is just the injuries they've had so far. Like Jeffrey Springs going down really hurts because he was looking like another breakout guy. But um, man, the Rays, I'm buying them. Obviously, they're 20 and three. They're not going to keep up this pace, but 
they're I, I think they're my favorite in their division now over the Yankees and the Orioles and the Blue Jays and everybody. So I'm buying the Rays. We, the only guys we didn't mention were Taylor Walls, who's hitting 333 with oh, yeah. a like, 434 OBP. Harold Ramirez is hitting 371. Uh, the Cubs traded him away for peanuts. Uh, yeah. Before the start of last season, he's only gone and been fantastic for the Rays. Still kind of mad about that one, but hey, we, we move on. This Rays team is really, really good. They they have gotten spectacular performances out of a bunch of guys whom I thought like their careers were over, like Christian Bethencourt. Um you know, they, they got Isaac Paredes on there, too. You know, this yeah. is just a this is a great team. They're really well put together. Yeah, and as good as they are, uh, it, the second best team in this division might be even more interesting uh, so far this season. But it's been the Baltimore Orioles at 15 and seven, second in the AL East, four and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they have a positive 19 run differential. Uh, they have been the 18th best offense and the 11th best pitching staff so far. Yeah, uh, I guess I could start at I I'm selling the Orioles. Um, I like the Orioles, but I do not trust that pitching staff to stay in the top 15. I think that like I think that their bullpen's got some good pieces to it. Like that's really kind of been their 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 positive. Uh, you know, that's kind of been their thing. Has been their bullpen's really good. Felix Bautista, I am buying because he's insane. <laughs> um, but I mean, like you're relying on Kyle Gibson to be like a, your ace this year. I mean, I guess Grayson Rodriguez, you're kind of relying on, but to be your ace, but he's like, he's got really, really good stuff, but you can tell that there's some seasoning that needs to happen there at the big league level before he really can take that step. But I mean, you're looking at guys that are starting like Taylor. Well, Tyler Wells has given, been their best starting pitcher so far. And he's pitched started three games and he's been, his peripherals don't look that great. Like, I don't know. I mean, the pitching staff scares the heck out of me. And at the plate, like, they're good. And I think that Adley Rutschman is awesome, and I like him. I mean, I like uh, I like Austin Hayes. I like Cedric Mullins. I, I'm just – I mean, Jorge Mateo is not going to keep putting up a 183 WRC+, plus, even though I do think he's made mm. some real improvements at the plate. I think he's made some real improvements at the plate, but not a 183 WRC+. Plus. Like, if he's a league average hitter, he's a really good player, and I think he might actually be that now, like, close to a league average hitter. But he's not going to keep putting that up. Um, I mean, you know, Gunnar Henderson's been really rough. Anthony Santander's been really, really rough. Uh, so we'll see what happens with those guys, that they could they could get better, but... I do think that this team is they're they're fine, but I think they're kind of like you know what we kind of thought maybe coming into the season that they're a better and improved team, but they're still not there yet because the pitching's not very good and because they're still really young and it's hard for every single young player to hit. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing with like Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson. Like they're going to take a little bit more time. And I think that's kind of an example of those teams that people kind of overrate them a little bit saying, oh yeah, Gunnar Henderson's going to be the addition to this team that puts them over the top. And it's like, you can't just count on that from a rookie. Like he could be really, really good as a rookie, but and I still think he's going to be a really good player. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's just going to take a little bit of time. And I, I do think the Orioles are still a year away. So I'm going to sell that they're the second best team in this division. I'm going to buy the Orioles. 
I like them. I like their offense. I think it's actually underperforming right now to the extent that their pitching is overperforming. And they've already been a better team in the close games where they weren't, you know, they kind of, they're, they're improving at the margins. They've got more to get out of Mountcastle, out of Santander, out of Gunner. Um, and they're getting, I think, some insanely good performances from Adley, Cedric, Jorge Mateo. But I think the biggest thing is that the, the between Mateo and Mullins, they're very damaging on the base pads, uh, stolen bases. Those two are leading the league in stolen bases, and they also have like one caught stealing between them. Uh, this is a team that it's going to ride or die with its pitching. They need the young guys to step up, but I really do think this is a team that can get it done. I think they're going to have the capability to make some trades as we go. Um, I think there's a team that can improve, and they're they're already off to a start. To, to provide that confidence that, you know, shows that they can compete in a very tough AL East. I buy that they're going to be in playoff contention the rest of the way. Will they keep second? Uh, maybe not, but, you know, that's not a fault of them, right? That's a, the Blue Jays are good. The Yankees are good. They'll be yeah. right there with them all season. So yeah. one, one more thing to point out with the Blue Jays, I mean, with the Orioles is that they have been so far and, and, you know, defensive metrics are weird, but so far they've been the second worst defensive team in the big leagues with only the Rockies being worse. So I think that's something that they definitely are going to have to tighten up that defense a little bit in order to be the, the playoff contender that, that we want them to be. So. Interesting. They are a fun team to watch for sure. They're fun. Uh, but let's go ahead and transition over to the Texas Rangers, who are 14-8 and eight this year. First in the AL West, a plus 59 run differential, and have been the sixth best offense and the fourth best pitching staff so far. So, David, why don't you go ahead and start with the Rangers? Yeah, I, I like the Rangers. I think that we kind of predicted that they were going to be either one of the boomer bust teams, right? It was a, that either they're, they're going to get carried by DeGrom and Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, or they're going to you know, flounder. Well, Marcus Simeon's one of the best players in baseball right now. DeGrom's one of the best pitchers in baseball yet again. He, and, you know, the Rangers are thriving. I think that's a completely expected. I I didn't expect Houston. Maybe Houston could have been in this spot where, you know, I would maybe buy that the that Houston's been struggling, but the Rangers being good, being a contender in the AL West, I buy it completely. I think the, the changes they made on this organization are, uh, you know, going to reap benefits going forward, especially as they kind of make start, you know, start getting towards the postseason. Uh, you know, that lineup's really strong. Cubs played them early in the season. They were tough. That was the game I went to, but, um, you know, it, I, I felt like that team is, you know, even there's even more there than, than they've already got. Right. They, they're relying on a lot of young guys, but you know, their lineup's very top heavy still. I think with some seasoning guys like Ezekiel Duran and Josh Jung can, uh, or yeah, Josh Young can can kind of step up and and become those uh, those really good complementary pieces to the superstars they've signed. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna absolutely buy the Rangers right now. Um, I think that like you said, Marcus Simeon was really really good last year, but he didn't get a lot of publicity for it because he had a really slow start. But down the stretch, he was great. He's kind of carried that over. He's the guy that they were expecting to get when they signed him a couple years ago or I guess last year, uh, he's been really good. And I, I think the biggest thing with them and the pitching staff has been really, really, really good so far. Um, they've been like one of the best pitching staffs. They've been the fourth best pitching staff in the big leagues by uh, wins above replacement. 
Um, so I think the, I think the big thing for me with with the Rangers so far has been that for them to be successful this year, like like David said, that you know you're going to have those top those top guys. You're going to have your Seager, Degrom, Simeon. There were two things: it was health, and then what can you get from the other guys? And they've gotten really good outcomes from the other guys. Like Jonah Heim has has a 172 WRC plus. He's not going to keep that up, but he was really good last year. And I think he's going to keep up a pretty good batting line. I think their most important thing is that Josh Young has looked really good. And that's a guy that, you know, we were kind of worried about coming into the season because of some of the injuries he's dealt with in the past in the upper minors. But he's been really good so far. That's been big for them. I mean, now you've got a, an infield of Nate Lau or Nathaniel Lowe, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager when he comes back, and Josh Young. Uh, that's a really, really good infield with uh, – you know, with, with, with if, if Josh Young can keep this up and they can get healthy. Uh, Corey Seager uh, coming, you know, he'll come back eventually. Like, they're doing a lot of this without him. And then that pitching staff has been so good. Like, obviously, Jacob DeGrom's been Jacob DeGrom. But Nate Evaldi's looked really, really good. His ERA is high, but, like, his peripherals are extremely good. Um, you know, your, your bullpen's gotten, gotten some pretty good outcomes from some guys. Like, uh, you look at Jonathan Hernandez has been really good in their bullpen, 193 ERA, 193 FIP in uh in his first nine and a third innings this year. Like Martin Perez has been pretty good, a 338 ERA. Like you know after last year, it looks like the same guy you got last year. I- I'm buying this team right now. I think they're right now. I think they're the best team in this division. The only problem with them is like, are you gonna keep Degrom healthy all year? Are you gonna keep Evaldi healthy all year? When Seager comes back, is he going to stay healthy? I think health is still the question mark for this team, but they're super talented, and I think that there's a very, very good chance this team ends up in the playoffs come come October. Yeah, they've got some really talented people that are they're getting good production from so far, so they need to be able to keep that up. But uh, let's jump from the AL West to the NL West to wrap up the uh, the buy sell section. We got two teams here, and we'll go ahead and start with the San Diego Padres, who are twelve and twelve. Third in the NL West, a negative uh, 13 run differential. They are 21st in hitting so far and 14th in pitching. Yeah, yeah I'm so going to sell the Padres offense being uh, being bad. It, it's been working. Justin Steele, he's out after five and a third. I'm selling the Padres offense. They're going to they're going to decimate opposing pitchers that aren't. Um, you know, kind of top end starters that can kind of battle through getting guys on base and keep their nerve against these elite hitters. Um, Steel got Juan Soto to pop up with two guys on earlier, so it's a it's going to be a matter of time, I think. But I think there's going to be some inevitability to this offense as Tatis gets warmed up, as uh, Soto gets going. You know, all you know, it, it, it did just get Tatis back, so it's like you know, this is a team that's. It's gaining steam, and and this offense is not going to stay kind of underperforming for long. Uh, pitching staff was always a little bit shaky, but I, I figured they'll be all right. Um, you know, we'll get to the last team in this division, but that we're going to talk about that's kind of been surprising. But for the, for the most part, I think I'm going to buy that the, or I guess I'm going to sell that the Padres are going to underperforming. I'm going to buy that they're going to come back and be a World Series contender like we predicted. I I'm actually going to disagree with you. I'm going to buy their rough start and there's a few reasons for it. Um, the first thing is that I, I don't think they're going to, I think they're probably still going to make the playoffs, but I think that Manny Machado looks like 
Manny Machado's stat cast looks awful. I'm just going to say that. He, he, he has not looked good at all this year. There were some signs last year that there was some maybe something going on. Like his chase rate went way up last year off of his past numbers. Like his whiff rate is increased. But this year, like his stat cast, his baseball savant page is all blue. And it's he's looked really, really rough. I don't know what's going on with Juan Soto. He's the opposite of Manny Machado. Like he his his stat cast page still looks really, really good. He's just had some I guess it's I can't tell if it's just a he's, really long string of bad luck. He's got two twenty six batting average on balls in play. He's got three sixty nine on base out on the, base percentage. I, agree, I I know that. I'm just saying that like this is an extended period of that happening is the thing. Like he had a low batting average on he had like a two forty batting average on balls in play all year last year too. So I don't know if it's like I don't know if there's something going on with just where he's hitting the ball or I, it's it's weird that he would have that long of a luck a bad luck streak, but I mean it's possible. But uh, I know that he is pulling the ball a ton, which might be some part of that. But I mean, he's, well, it'll be better than 226, of course. But uh, I do, I, and I'm not selling. Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is going to end up being fine too. I'm not super worried about him, but and many and Tatis Jr. coming back helps. But I mean, you kind of look at the bottom of their lineup and like they're a very top heavy lineup. You got Tatis, Bogarts, Soto, and then Machado if he's if he's still really good. But like like I say, I, I'm kind of worried about Machado a little bit. Like I don't I think he's probably going to be fine, but like it's probably just a bad start to the season. But it's there's so there's some underlying data that that kind of worries you there, but I mean you go beyond that and you've got like Trent Grisham who's uh, he's not great at the plate like he's a good defensive player he's not great at the plate Matt Carpenter and Nelson Cruz is your DH tandem like Nelson Cruz is just cooked at this point and Matt Carpenter is, has hit the ball well so far this year but I just I, I still I don't know I still just don't believe Matt Carpenter's this good of a hitter uh, off of what he did last year um, and then you look at like. You know, their catching situation's weird. Like, you know, it's a, you know, it's Austin Nola, and and then he he's been really really bad. And then like I guess Camposano, he's been pretty bad again. Like the bottom of the, they they were starting Roofnet Odor in right field a lot. Tatis Jr. playing right field is is he actually gonna like be able to play right field at a high level? I know he made one good play the other day, but. You know, and then you look at their pitching staff, and like there was a lot of talk about like, oh yeah, Blake Snell is going to be really, really good this year because he had a good second half last year. Blake Snell has looked like absolutely like one of the worst pitchers in baseball so far. He this was year. good today. He might have been good today, but that so way. far this year he's looked horrible. Like his zone rates are awful. He can't throw strikes. He can barely make it through. I don't know how many innings he pitched today, but like he's 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 not pitching deep into games at all. He had five. I mean, what he had he had five walks today. I mean. Like he's got 18 walks and 23 innings this year so far, and I mean their best pitcher's been Seth Lugo. Now Musgrove just came back, so that's nice. You Darvish has been good as well, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I say, this is a team that I am legitimately worried about the Padres being what people kind of thought they were going to be coming into the season. But they might end up. I mean, I think they'll probably end up being okay. They'll they'll probably end up. You know, some of these guys are going to get better. It's it's early still, but you know. The fact that they're twelve and twelve right now seems to be fairly fortunate to me. Yeah, and we haven't really seen them play. I think they've had one series against the Diamondbacks so far, and they haven't played the Dodgers yet either. So it's going to be those are going to be some big games. Getting Tatis back, I think, is going to be a big a big help once he gets up and going. 
once you get Musgrove back in there, you'll be able to have that pitching staff will start kind of taking a little bit more shape. But I'm not all too worried about the actual about the Padres. I, I bet on the back of the baseball cards with most of their players to to even it out over time. Yeah. Uh, but the last team that we have in this division, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are 13 and 11, leading the NL West. They have a negative three run differential. Uh, they have the 15th best offense and the 26th best pitching staff. Yeah, I'm going to sell the Diamondbacks as well. Um, I think that their pitching staff is, is a problem. Um, they've got Zach Gallen, and Zach Gallen's a good pitcher, but their bullpen is not the best. And, I mean, I just, like, you're relying on, you're relying on like Merrill Kelly and to, I mean, he's, he's got a good ERA, but a, his peripherals are bad. Like they have a lot of guys who are performing their peripherals too, but I mean, they DFA'd Madison Bumgarner finally, which that was just an absolute disaster contract. And everyone kind of knew that was going to be a disaster contract when it was signed, which is kind of like, why did they do that? But um, I mean, their bullpen's bad. I, I know that people like, – it's another example too. People want to say that they're going to be so much better because Brandon Fott's going to get called up. And it's like, well, you know, this will be his first time ever pitching at the big league level. We don't know that he's going to be immediately really good. So they – this team, if they stay at the level they've been at so far and they use some of their prospect capital to buy, I could see maybe them end up being pretty good. But like, you know, with the exception of Zach Gallon at the top of that rotation, man, that pitching staff's just rough. And then – uh, batting wise, I think they're I think they're a good good team at the plate. I mean, I I don't think they're an elite enough team at the plate to overcome their pitching deficiency though. Like they're, you know, and also like they're getting those like we talked about earlier with Geraldo Perdomo. Like they're getting that kind of contribution from him. Like, you know, I I just I don't I don't fully believe in this 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 offense right now and, and this and definitely not the pitching staff. So I'm gonna sell the Diamondbacks. I think they're. Not, I don't think they're anywhere really close to as good as the top two teams in this division are the, with the Padres and and and, and Dodgers. I, I, I'm honestly starting to feel like the Dodgers might be number one here, but honestly, like the NL West, I just don't think this division's all that good. I I think that there's a lot of question marks on every team, like major question marks on every team in this division. So I think it turns out that the Central's maybe a little better than we expected, and the West is just not very good, at like or not as good as we expected. So I won't say because I mean the Dodgers are a good team, the Padres are a good team, and I think the Diamondbacks are a good team. It's just like I I don't know. I sell the Diamondbacks. I'm gonna sell this Diamondbacks start, but I'm not gonna sell them being in playoff contention. So. Take that for what you will. I think this is a team that can get there. Um, I think, you know, as we mentioned in our preview show, all it takes is a couple of good breaks, right? The difference between a playoff team and not a playoff team can be two, three games. A team overperforming their early expectations, you know, that can provide the difference they need, you know, the reasoning they need to get in there and uh, you go buy a, a starting pitcher because they really need one in their rotation. And then, you know, that can snowball into, you know, the team believing more, winning more of those games and overperforming again. And, you know, I, I do think this is the type of team that can can do that. I don't think this is a team that's going to win this division. I think it's going to be one of the Padres or the Dodgers. But, you know, I, I do think this is a competitive playoff caliber team. I think they can do it. I think they can get there. 
Um, and, you know, we'll see. I think Corbin Carroll's off to a really good start. Well, you know, th- their offense has been significantly less reliable than a few of these other teams that we've talked about, though. And uh, that's not going to win you the NL West, right? They're going to have to play exceptional baseball the rest of the way, uh, you know, more so than what they've done thus far uh, to get there. So, you know, without Madison Bumgarner, I think they their pitching staff will, will show some improvements. Andrew Chafin's been really good out of the bullpen. But, you know, they're, they're a few players away, I think. But those are not... Unreli- un like impossible to acquire at the trade deadline the you know the gaps that they have i think i think they could really benefit from a guy like lance lynn potentially coming on the block here it's a really good fit for them too i think but uh that will wrap up our buy sell uh section of the episode talking about the teams and the players uh i thought it was a really fun uh little thing we've done there i uh, hadn't actually ever done that before so it was a good little yeah episode uh for us to hear about but before we wrap it up let's go ahead and jump to players of the week and david who do you got for your player this week uh he's picking on me i, I went ahead and took max muncie because someone needed to uh four home runs this week a monster like 35 percent walk rate for max muncie and in the last seven days he just clobbered the cubs him and james outman pretty much single-handedly won them that series and and you know to this point max muncie's the home run leader in baseball with 11 um, you know, 20% walk rate. He's doing the type of things that we kind of expected a guy like Max Muncy to do. But the thing I noticed from that series was he was playing pretty strong defense at third base. I think he only made one error that I noticed and he made a couple of really good plays. Um, and if you can just get serviceable defense from Max Muncy at third base, you're getting a, you know, a bat that's going to be a 40 home run bat. Uh, you know, if he could stay healthy in the, the type of middle of your lineup approach that, is incredibly difficult for pitchers to deal with. And, you know, I think Muncy's the kind of guy who's, you know, going to benefit if the ball's juiced, obviously, but it just seems like it didn't matter where the ball's getting thrown. If it was a strike, he was clobbering it, hitting it out. So I'd look for Muncy to have a 40 something home run season this year, just based on this week, just watching him play. He's locked in right now that that can come and go, but what, what won't come and go is this plate approach that he's got, man. That guy's willing to take a walk and he's willing to slam the ball off the fence. And that's this dangerous combination once it comes down to it. So Max Muncy's my player of the week this week. So Max Muncy's a good pick. He, he's, he's been really good. Um, but the guy I picked, and this is not a homer pick because he really was the best pitcher in baseball this week and has been that pretty much so far this year. But Spencer Strider, this week, last night, was one of the best pitch games I've ever seen. He he threw eight innings of he he had a no he had a perfect game going into the seventh inning and it got it, Matt Olson booted a routine grounder that ended that but and he had a couple bloop hits fall against him in the eighth to break up a no hitter but last night eight innings thirteen strikeouts no walks two hits no runs that's after last week against the Padres pitching. Uh, six shutout innings uh, with uh, nine strikeouts and I believe two or three walks in that game. But uh, Spencer Strider last night, he tied up, um, he broke the Braves record. He's, he's now in his last 10 starts. He's, or sorry, his last nine starts, he's had at least nine strikeouts. And last night in his 13 strikeout performance, his strikeout rate actually went down on his strikeouts per nine. It, it, it went down. And so, <laughs> which is pretty wild, but, um, 
there's not a lot to say about him. I mean, 14 innings in the last week and didn't give up a run and had 22 strikeouts in the last week. I mean, right now he's just and it, it honestly it doesn't even seem like he's quite got it fully going yet. Like there's been times watching him that he could get a little bit wild so far. So uh, I think it's pretty clear that he's like legit after his rookie year last year. And the only thing I really worry about with him is can he stay healthy long term? Because you know with his size and everything that could be a concern eventually with him just being healthy. Yeah, Spencer Strider is a really good pick. And, uh, you know, you said he was the top starter in baseball this week uh, per war. He was tied with my pick of Eduardo Rodriguez. So get wrecked there. But uh, Eduardo Rodriguez had a really good two-start week as well. Uh, I think he had a no-hitter. I think it was into the seventh inning against Baltimore uh, on Sunday. Had a seven innings there, six strikeouts. That comes off the back of a eight inning, ten strikeout performance, only allowing four hits against Cleveland. Uh, on the doubleheader, they had didn't allow a run. Uh, had a pretty good season so far: two thirty two ERA, a three forty five FIP. Uh, Rodriguez, you know the guy who had basically signed the big money contract to the Rangers or not Rangers, the Tigers, uh, and then um, basically went AWOL for most of last year. Came back at the end of the year, but he's back this year and he's looking like the pitcher that was with the Red Sox for uh, many years. And it's good to see that. So my pick is Eduardo Rodriguez off a two start week, 15 innings pitched with zero runs given up. Nice pick. But uh, before we wrap up this show, anything you guys want to want to hit on? Want to talk about? Um, Not too much. Just, you know getting about a month into the season. So, you know, as we did today with our buy sell episode, like some of these, you know, some of the small sample size are still small sample size, but you know, you're starting to see some of these things are going to stabilize pretty soon. And uh, you're going to see some of it, like what's real and what's not. So I thought it was obviously a good time to do that, but um, I definitely, uh, definitely had a fun season so far. I think there's been a lot of, a lot of good things, a lot of good talk about baseball going around. So uh, definitely a lot of fun and uh, very, uh, very very fun to watch this year so far yeah i think it's uh you know we're starting to see some who's who's a serious team and who's you know kind of a pretender too we've we didn't even really hit on a few of these teams that are just they look like they're out to lunch the white Sox are kind of primarily the one that i'm like yeah we discussed them as a potential candidate to win that division and they are just out to out to pasture they're seven and 17 they're they're gonna be selling at the deadline it's gonna make things really interesting and you know there'll be i think it it, the way it seems there's a lot more teams on you know with the pedal to the metal foot on the gas than there are you know teams that are tanking there's only about four or five teams that are tanking but boy those teams look really bad so uh yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty stark the difference i think between the the teams that are serious about winning and the teams that are you know, trying to lose. Yeah, yeah. The, the A's, the A's are no longer the worst team in baseball. They have the same record as the Royals. Well, the A's have like a negative one hundred run differential. Oh, I know, I know, but still, just they have the, they have hey, the same record as the Royals. It's pretty sad. <laughs> they also have a negative three WAR on the pitching side. Yeah, that which is, is. Yeah, we discussed that. I, I've never like we were but, talking about before the show. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, guys, speaking of those records and that we're, you know, like you guys mentioned, we're coming up to about a month of the season so far. So looking ahead to next week, I think it'll be a good time. We do a division 
uh, kind of recap, see where teams are standing overall. Gives us a little bit of a chance to talk about those guys that we didn't hit today on the buy sell episode. Um, who's off to good starts and who's off to bad starts that we weren't able to hit here. Uh, so I think that'll be a, a, a good, a good time that we're a month into the season uh, to kind of do that. And it allows us to expand on other things, but works for me. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to episode. I messed up in the beginning. It's episode 123. Forgive me, but thank you guys for tuning in to episode 123 of the Batfoot podcast. And we will catch you guys next week. <laughs>